Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. As you're turning there, you'll notice in the bulletin, I didn't really give you an outline for today. I just gave you kind of an open space, some blank space in there. Why? Because what I want to do this morning is I want you to listen for what the Holy Spirit has to say to you today. I'm not going to lead you down any particular direction this morning. I want you to be awakened. I want you to be brutally honest. And I want you to take the corrective action that is necessary to live the life that God, that He has planned for each one of you. That being said, this is the final week of our journey through AHA. And if you've taken this series seriously, you should be on your way now to seeing where you need to return home and what areas of your life you need to get back into alignment with the Word of God and how to come home, how to return back to the Father's house. But for some of you, I suspect that you just can't do it. It's very difficult. Friends, I don't think I've ever done this on a Sunday morning, but this week the Lord challenged me to be brutally honest with you all. So I'm going to hop up on the proverbial soapbox for just a few minutes, and I'm going to share with you with the Lord what He laid on my heart this morning because there's some that aren't walking in the ways of the Lord and it makes me wonder, are you truly a child of God? Friends, my prayer is that as you've listened, as the Lord, through His Holy Spirit, as He has spoken to you, as He has revealed to you where you are, where you have left the Father's house, where you've strayed from Him, strayed from God, that you have the courage. He's given you the courage to be honest, honest about where you are, how wrong you've been, and then recognize the need to change in your life and have the courage to do what we said last week, is take immediate action. But my fear is there's some that you know you're wrong, that you know there's areas of your life where you're not living that way, where you're doing it your way, you're not doing it God's way, but nothing's changed in your life. You don't have the capacity to be brutally honest, honest with what God expects, what God wants of you as one of his children, as a member of his family, or you're too set in your ways, or perhaps you just don't want to change right now. I believe there are some that believe that what you're doing, well, it's just simply okay to do because it makes sense in your own mind. Regardless of what scripture might teach us, that's been your MO for such a long time now that you've operated that way for so long that you even start to believe now in your life that, well, it's godly. It's the right thing to be doing. Church, just know this. All those good intentions to do something, they mean nothing if you stop your journey before it's time. I truly believe that as God, as He tries to intervene in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's only by our conscious effort to either ignore His will for our lives or accept His will that it allows us to experience aha in our life. Enough said on that. Because the big question this morning is this. Are you truly open to what God requires of you? For those who haven't been here or may have missed some of the weeks prior to this, we've been studying this parable of the lost son from Luke 15. It's a parable that takes us on a journey through the life of two sons. It's one younger son and one older son. And it's a father who has so much love for his sons that he throws away all the cultural, all the social norms of life on how to handle this particular situation. And instead, what does he do? He offers them grace and love and mercy. Let's pause here for a moment. Just imagine in your mind, just imagine with me, what would happen to our world if such a grace, love, and mercy were offered to everyone by all of us? What if? 
what would it be like? In this parable, let's remember, this is a teaching moment here for Jesus. And let's not forget who was there. Who was Jesus teaching to? We haven't really covered that before. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump back. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And look what it says. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So, we see here that Jesus, he's talking to who? He's talking to sinners. He's talking to tax collectors. He's talking to the people who don't follow the laws of God. But he's also talking to who? The Pharisees. He's talking to those teachers of the law. Now here, Jesus goes on to tell two parables to them before he gets to the parable that we've been studying. The first parable he talked about was the parable of the lost sheep. Let's look at that real quickly, verses 3 through 6. Said, so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now understand, back in those days, sheep were a very valuable commodity. Losing one was not acceptable back then. But listen to what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 7. It says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Tell me something. Doesn't this make you just want to set yourself apart from those who come to church simply out of spite or out of obligation? See, I don't want to be one of those 99. I want to be part of that one. I want to be part of that one that Jesus goes after, he seeks after, and he wants to live with. I don't want to be one of those 99 righteous, one of those who don't repent of their sins, who ridicule and judge other people for ridiculous reasons while they sit back. They'll sit there so smugly within themselves, holding on to their precious tenure heritage. In case you haven't been following along, what I'm saying is this. Sometimes we feel like we've been such a loyal, such a faithful follower of Christ that we no longer have to repent anymore. We no longer need to grow in our faith. I've been here so long. I've been going to church so long. I've arrived. We think we're righteous enough. Righteous enough to be the judge of other people. To judge those who we feel are less spiritual than we are. Friends, all I can say is that's a scary road to travel down. As for me, all I want to be is I want to be a willing servant of God, never believing that I've ever been good enough or ever will be good enough to deserve the grace and the blessings that he's given to me by the Father. Always asking for forgiveness. Never assuming I have the ability to judge others. Then we come to that second parable that Jesus told. This is the parable of the lost coin. Look at that. It's in verses 8 through 10. It says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is making a statement here. As he's teaching that the journey to that distant country, it's not just for those that are lost. Because he's also making the statement here that there are people that are lost in the Father's house. We're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. But first, what I want to do is I'm going to jump back to our parable of the prodigal son. Back to the younger son that we've been talking about. We know again that this younger son, that he had asked his father for his inheritance. And his father did what? He freely gave it to him. And then this son, he took everything. He sold his land and he took all the money and he went off to a distant country. And there he squandered everything in wild living. 
He wasted all the money. And then the famine came. And he found himself to be broke. And then he was broken. And then he was working, tending to the pigs. And then he found himself wanting to just eat the pig slop. I mean, that looked pretty tasty to him by the end of it all. But it was at that point in his life that this young man, he became brutally honest with himself. He realized that until he had admitted the sin that was in his life, that he had sinned, and he also was the one that led himself to be in that pig pen. It wasn't anybody else's choice. Nobody forced him there. It was his life, his choices that led him to that particular situation. Until he recognized that and understood it and was honest about it, there would be no aha in his life. But as we learn, aha, it can't stop there. It doesn't stop there. You see the son, he had to do what? He had to get up. He had to go and get out of that pig pen. He had to leave that distant country. He had to start his journey back home to the father's house. That's what aha, that's what it's all about. It's a sudden awakening that you're not where you should be. It's brutal honesty that says in your life, I messed up. And then it's an immediate action. You take the action that's required of you. You make the changes that's needed to get back on track. And all of that, every one of those is required for aha. Without all three ingredients, you will never experience aha in your life. You see, at any point along this plot line, any point along this aha story, it's so easy for us to get to a certain point and then we get stuck there. It's so easy for us just to quit, to quit trying, to quit doing what we're supposed to be doing and quit presuming that this is normal. There's a lot of people that you have a sudden awakening, but yet there's fewer people that have the brutal honesty about it to know that they need to do something. But yet there's even fewer people that take that next step, that take immediate action. Because when the Holy Spirit, when he leads us down that path of aha, the unfortunate fact is not every story ends with us returning back to the Father's house. So my question for you this morning is this. How is your aha story going And how's it going to end? Where is your story going to end? Is it going to end back in the Father's house? Or is it going to end in the pig pen where you're still at? Where are you today in your aha journey? Have you had your aha and now you're moving closer? You're moving into a deeper relationship with God the Father. But maybe. Maybe you haven't had your aha yet. Maybe you haven't experienced that moment in your life and you're simply waiting for that to happen. Friend, are you stuck? Are you stuck where you're at in your life? Have you accepted the worldly lifestyle as, well, it's okay. It ain't that bad. I can get by with this. Is it because that you refuse to hear the alarms going off in your life? You know, God's sending you all these messages, all these alarms that things aren't right, things need to change, and you're just ignoring them. You're hitting the snooze button and saying, I'll get to it later. Are you being honest, honest about your situation? And if you've gotten past those first two, that awakening and the honesty, then you're taking immediate action to come back home to the Father's house. Because friends, understand, we know he is waiting for us, right? The Father is waiting for you. The angels, they are waiting for you. There's going to be a celebration when that happens in heaven. All because of your choice to follow his will and his way for your life. See, this is what's happening near the end of this younger son's story. Remember, he came home. The father, he's waiting there. His father sees him while he's off in the distance, while he's far away. And the father goes running out to his son, and he greets his son. When he gets there, what does he do? He hugs and he kisses his son. He doesn't greet him with anger. He doesn't jump right in with resentment. He greets him with love and gracious affection. Think about it. How many times have you treated your own children with a heavy hand? All because, well, there's a price to pay for insubordination. When really all along, what they needed in your life is love and understanding. It was back in my grade school days. My brothers and I, there were three of us, three three boys. I was in the middle. And as we did so often, you know how boys are. Mom says, don't do this. And what do we do? We do it. 
We weren't supposed to be playing ball in the house. It was summertime. Mom was at work. Dad was at work. And we were playing ball in the house. Well, it turns out one summer morning, we broke mom's favorite lamp. It was a beautiful lamp to her. Anyway, while she was at work, we were frantically trying to fix this lamp, trying to put it all back together, trying to get it all to work, and frantically doing this and with our limited skills. Let's just say it was broken beyond repair. None of us were very good at that stuff. We tried, and we tried, and I'm pretty sure that we cried some that morning. But I must say at first, when mom got home, she was a bit miffed at what we had done that day. But then she realized that we had spent all day, all day we were worried about that lamp. We were upset. We were worried about how upset mom would be when she got home. See, I'd come to understand that once she got in there, once we talked to her, she had already made up her mind that we, her sons, that we'd been through enough pain, we've had more punishment emotionally, and that she wasn't going to get upset one way or another. I remember her telling us that we, her children, we were more important to her than some silly old lamp was. Now, my brothers and I, we didn't travel off to a distant country. We just made an honest mistake. But here's what typically happens. When others make mistakes, whether that's your children, maybe it's your parents, maybe your neighbors, your coworkers, or people you worship with, when they make a mistake, you use them as target practice. You ridicule, you anger, you make rude comments, and you use vicious words. And somehow, it's not enough to know that they feel badly about what they've done. You need them to know that there will be punishment, and it will be your punishment that you want to inflict upon them for their actions. This reminds me of a story that's told in Scripture. It's where the Pharisees, remember, they brought to Jesus this adulterous woman, and they wanted her to be stoned to death because that was a typical punishment for the crime that she had committed. But what did Jesus do? Look at it in John chapter 8. It says this, And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote in the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. See, there was a celebration here. A celebration that happened when the younger son, when he had come home. There was a celebration that happens when we come back home to the father's house as well. Which brings us to the end of this story. Now, there's one part of the story that we haven't talked about yet. There's another lost son in this story that we haven't even covered. We haven't heard about him until near the end here. Did you ever watch one of those movies where in the beginning of the movie they introduce you to all the different characters in the movie, but there's one character you don't hear about again until you get to the very end of the movie. But when you see him again, you realize that he played a part all the way along in the movie. As we've seen in the beginning of this parable of the lost son, it starts out saying in verse 11, and he said there was a man who had two sons. Then verse 12 says, and the younger son said to his father. So we know that it was the younger son. He's the one that went off into this distant country. But we haven't heard much about his older brother until now. It's in verse 25 that we see Jesus. He starts to clear his throat here. And it's amazing how most of us, we want to recognize that first part of this story. The part that we've already covered about this younger son. The one who goes off in the distant country and then comes back to the father's house. But there's clearly another person in this story that's involved and it's this older son. Let's just kind of see what a celebration might look like in our short video clip. One of the things you would have noticed if you would have seen that was what happens is they came in and they celebrated the daughter's return. It's the one who worked at the diner. But remember, she had an older sister. And as they were celebrating the younger daughter, her return home, the older sister stood in the back and just kind of, look at them, celebrating her. 
and she was a bit ticked off at the situation, and she walked away. And this is how Jesus would address this story. This is how he did it. He said this in verses 25 through 32. He said, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Stop there for just a minute. What's the attitude of this older son? What was his attitude here? It was what? He was angry. He was jealous. He was envious of who? At who? Was it the brother? Was it the father? So what happened was the father, he went out, right? The father pleaded with him to come on in. Let's pick up our story in verse 29. It says, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes home who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. How significant is this part of the story? Very significant. Do you remember who Jesus was teaching? This is a teaching moment for Jesus here, right? And he was teaching who? The sinners. He was teaching the tax collectors. And who else? He was teaching the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the who? The religious people. The Pharisees and the teachers are represented here in this story by the older son. And what's going on with this older son? He's what? He's angry. He's resentful. He wasn't happy. He was plain old upset to see that his younger brother, he comes home and now he's being celebrated, being cheered for coming home after selling out the family. It's just like some in the church. When the church, when it begins to move forward, when the church begins to change and, and evolve, you become upset at what's happening in the church. Why? Because that's not the way that your church is supposed to be. Well, all I got to say is hello. Newsflash. It's not your church. It's his church. It's Christ's church. And being his church, if he wants his church to evolve, if he wants it to change, if he wants it to be relevant to those that are far off from him, to reach them with a gospel message, which is our charge to do, then it's not your place to argue, to fight, and try and reverse what he wants to do with his desires and his directions for his church. Your responsibility is simply this, to see where God is working and join him there. So like the religious people represented by the son, we're angry at times. But what about the father in the story? The father with his compassion, the father with his love, he stood above both of those sons, didn't he? He gave them nothing but love, nothing but compassion. Even when this older brother, when he was so angry that he was celebrating his younger brother, the father was out there trying to get him to have compassion for his younger brother. And Jesus, in telling this parable, he's trying to get those who feel righteous about themselves because of their selfish pride. Because well, I'm in the Father's house. I'm in church every week. I'm here. I'm there. And they're following the laws of God. I'd never stray from the laws of God. And you feel that somehow you've been given the right to be the judges, to judge other people. When all along, all God wants you to do is to be there and love one another. Friends, we're called to love God and love people. Amen, right? That's it. That's all we're called to do in his church. If we can do that, we can accomplish so much. And then you'll have the opportunity, as they say, to teach the young ones in the ways of the Lord. Church, no one here, no one is worthy of the grace and mercy that's offered us by the Father. None of us. Not you, not me, none of us. And yet, it's offered to us freely. It's given to us freely to those who will give their lives over to the one who came, who paid that ultimate sacrifice for our sins, for all of your mistakes and your sins. And his name we know is Jesus Christ. 
Each person here receives the same love and affection from the Father, regardless of your age, regardless of race, regardless of your maturity in the Lord. The only difference is, for those of us who have already accepted salvation by faith through grace in Jesus Christ, we get to enjoy that celebration. We get to enjoy the blessings with and for Christ. We get to do that on a daily basis. And let me tell you, that's a great place to be in your life. All I want you to know is that there's a celebration that awaits you for those who haven't fully given their heart, haven't given their life over to the Father, the one who waits for you. He stands there waiting for you to come on home, come back to Him. For those of you who live in the Father's house, we need to be supportive of those that are less mature Christians and those who are working to come to terms with their need for salvation. We need to constantly analyze our own hearts to make sure that we aren't too full of ourselves. Because you understand, right? You may feel you're living in the Father's house, but you can be just as lost in that Father's house just as you can as that person that went off into that foreign country. Let me close with this. You may have heard this before, but I'm going to reiterate it one more time. There's going to be a lot of people who miss out on heaven, miss out on eternity with Jesus Christ by a mere 18 inches. You see, a lot can happen in 18 inches. Why do I say 18 inches? Because that's the typical distance between the head and the heart. It's the difference between knowing a lot about God. Because Scripture, understand, Scripture tells us even Satan and his demons, they know a lot about God and about Christ. So it's the difference between knowing Him and actually and truly loving and serving and worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Worshiping Him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. With your time and your talents, serving in His church, supporting His church. Rest assured, if your heart is not right with God, if your soul is not kept clean by the keeper of the stream, then a lot can happen in those 18 inches between your head and your heart. Feelings get lost in the cloudiness that's caused by selfishness in either one of those areas, whether it's in the house or whether you're outside the Father's house. So why not make today, why not make it your day of celebration? Why not make today the day that you say, Jesus, I hear what our pastor, your called servant, your shepherd for this church is saying, and I want it with all that I am, but I'm not sure how I get it. I'm not sure how I can get from where I am to where it is you want me to be, to where you are. So Jesus, here I am. I put myself into your hands. I give my soul over to you this morning, and I will try to do whatever is right in your eyes. Not in my own eyes, Lord. In your eyes. I will read and I will meditate on your word faithfully. I will pray to you unceasingly. I will serve the church. I will tithe as you command. I will do what is honorable based solely on your word and not my selfish thoughts. Today is the day of celebration. Today is the day the Lord has made just for you. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Now, if you couldn't or you wouldn't say amen to that, it begs the question, is the love of Christ truly in you? Are you just playing church on Sundays? You want to impress some people. You want to make yourself feel good about yourself coming to church. I go to church every Sunday, so I'm religious. Make it right with God today. Friends, you never know when God will call you home. You don't know when your last moment, your last breath on this earth will be. Do not miss out on going to Jesus to see him, going home to him. And if for some reason you still can't do it, don't worry. As we've learned in our parable we've been studying God will still wait for you. Jesus is on the porch. He's looking out over the horizon. He's waiting for you to come over and start coming back home to him. And he'll be there waiting with open arms, praying for you to come home. I'll be right there with him, praying for all of you as well. Pray for you to come home. Let's bow our heads and let's pray.
I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryville First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. And have a blessed day.